0: Welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast, Intentionally Designing a Lifestyle of Freedom. Today, I've got an interview, a chat with Brian Alexovich from The Lots Project. Uh, if any of you guys are on MeWe or Float, you've seen him all over. He puts out a ton of content and does quite a few interviews on a few other podcasts, and so we're going to have a great chat about what he's been up to in life, but before we jump into that, I've got a quote I want to share with you. Uh, This is from John, I'm going to butcher his last name, John Muir. And he said, how lavish is nature in building, pulling down, creating, destroying, chasing every material particle from form to form, ever-changing, ever-beautiful. And I think that ties into what we're going to talk about today, tearing down and rebuilding life after seven years on a homestead. Brian, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Ken. How's it going?
0: Going great. So who is Brian? Tell me a little about what took you up to, you know, from being a kid to where you started the homestead.
1: Oh, man. Um, That was a kind of a crazy ride. I mean, (laughs) well, it's always crazy ride. So I'm 44. So kind of normal, typical little town growing up, Um, town had like. 7,000 people in it you know high school athlete whatever went to college when I really shouldn't have because I didn't know what I really wanted to do but it was kind of what you did um ended up leaving college before I finished and went to a community college didn't really really wasn't my thing like I went to uh get an associate's degree because I had like double the credits needed for it and they told me i needed a like a half a credit gym class or something and i'm like yeah whatever i'm not gonna drive 45 minutes to play badminton for 20 minutes just to get a piece of paper so uh, quit that so i never got a degree spent a lot of money and time and but i learned a lot <laughs> in college um yeah a lot and uh then kind of bartended for a decade um waited tables and stuff and made a living just talking to people and interacting and being personable and uh, learned a lot. And then I got sick of people. So I got out of that and uh, went into uh, just worked at a factory. Like I was, I, I always had a knack for science and math and mechanics and how things work. So getting a, a, like a machine operator job was, easy really advanced real quick into like maintenance and stuff like that and got into building maintenance and different types of stuff uh kind of bounce around i i get a job and i kind of get really good at it and then i get bored and do something stupid and quit (laughs) or get fired or you know just out of boredom so bounced around a lot of different industries learned a lot of different skills a lot of different uh types of things and uh always stayed in that maintenance and uh operation mode and i got a job as a uh, as a uh, control room operator for a, a startup that was you know they were just begging for employees because they were a startup and they were making synthetic crude oil out of uh, waste plastic like plastic bags uh, grocery bags and stuff like that that type of filmy plastic And it was really cool. And it was a great experience that lasted for a while. And during that time, we moved up out of the suburbs. Um, We were planning to buy a farm and uh, escape, uh, like being in the grocery store, locked into the grocery store and that And wanted to provide for ourselves. After uh, we went through all these job losses and quitting and all this, we were like, man, if we had our own food, if we were producing our own food, um, that would make something like that a lot easier. And then maybe we'd be able to do it full time or whatever. So we had moved up here and I was commuting back and forth, back and forth and back and forth. It was like, uh, oh, I think it was a 90, 90 minute drive. 90, yeah, 90 minutes uh, one way. That's and quite I working, a
0: commute. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was working like 14 hour days. Oh uh, man. On this weird rotational schedule. And yeah, so we kind of poured ourselves into the homestead and tried to... Uh, I was making really good money is why I did it, like Mm. more money because the the startup had grown and I kind of accelerated through because I was there. I was like employee number seven. So, you know, you kind of grow with the company and I was there for six years. And so I've kind of just stayed on top of the heap. And then, yeah, so worked at the homestead doing that and providing more for ourselves and making a little extra Was
0: that the homestead that you're on right now still? Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. So that was that was about eight years ago. You know, we got pretty close there. So just kind of bounced around and and yeah, made the decision that we wanted to start providing for ourselves a little bit. And we looked and we took like a year to find this property when we were looking. We were in the suburbs and um yeah we just found a farm, a 35 acre farm. And wow. Yeah. It was in our price range and it was right on the edge of like how far we were willing to commute. Like literally the next town is outside of our radius that we <laughs> did when we started looking. And yeah, like I said, we looked for a year. Uh, we originally looked at this place and it was out of our price range. And, uh, we looked at a bunch of different types of property, like totally wooded lots with like a mobile home on it. And, um, uh, up to like, uh, established horse farms and and just weird stuff and our price range wasn't really the best at the time so we were looking we thought we wanted like a minimum of 20 acres um but we wanted more than that and so you know it really limits the house you're going to get when you're buying that much land on a limited budget it's even worse now um So, yeah, we came back to this place and it was like the only one that that really, uh, stuck in our head as we were looking and we threw a low ball offer in, like super low ball. Like it was the top end of our budget and it was like super low ball for what it was priced (laughs) and, uh. We're like, this is the only place we, this is the only place we found. This it. Is it. It's this yeah. <laughs> so it was listed with 40 acres and a farmhouse and a detached garage and a 60 um, foot long barn. It's like the, actually the base of the original barn, the concrete, and then they put a new roof on it. So there used to be a full mm-hmm. barn on top of it, but it had come down. Um, and then another like three-sided chicken coop. And uh, the house was like 1934 farmhouse and the neighbor <laughs> probably had... needed
0: a, a ton of work to get it. livable. Oh
1: yeah. 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 The na- well not, I mean, it was livable when we moved in, like the neighbor, the lady that lived here had just passed away. Um, and the neighbor is actually her son who grew up in this house. And then, when he came back from service, he built a house right next door, like literally next door. His driveway is like on the property line, <laughs> so we're like out in the middle of nowhere, and we have nobody on three sides of us, and then we have a neighbor
0: <laughs> <laughs> right next to you. <laughs> yeah, so
1: that was kind of weird, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, um, anyway, yes. yeah. So we, we threw in a super lowball offer, and he came back and he's like, "Yeah, I can't do it for that, but I'll I can cut five acres off because he owned." he owns like the 80 acres around us, like an L.
0: So oh, he's like, yeah.
1: I'll just slice off five acres. And he sent back the paperwork and the line went right through a swamp. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs>
0: well, who needs that
1: <laughs> rock okay. and roll, man. And yeah. like, but yeah. come to turn out, the, my neighbors are super cool people. And like, I hunt on their property. They're, they're more than generous with using their land. So it really didn't make a difference anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's how we lucked into this. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So we moved up here and started, um, yeah. That's, the, that's the quite a,
0: quite a lot of life experience it, but probably used a lot of those things in, in building your homestead. What was the, I mean, you talk about wanting to grow your own food and do some of that stuff. Was there something deeper behind the, the desire to start a homestead to, to go that route?
1: Um, i don't know i I, it's always interested me um like i when i started thinking about providing for ourselves it was kind of like the doomed doomsday prepper Mm. era um and i started watching that and i was like eh you know whatever it was (laughs) didn't i mean i watched it yeah i was interested in it 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 kind of it's good entertainment but i was like no Like I'm not going to be, well, and the other thing is we saw our neighborhood deteriorating around us when we were in the suburbs. We were like in a first ring suburb of Minneapolis. Um, and it was just kind of going downhill. Um, everything, every house that was sold, we were like, in a a little neighborhood that was all original owners, um, that was built in the seventies and stuff. So they were, they were dying or going to nursing homes or whatever, and they were selling and it was being bought all by rentals like landlords were buying them up left and right and then the neighborhood changed <laughs> this is, is mm-hmm. i mean as they do yeah so we were like we want to get as far away from this as possible buy as much land as possible to withstand any like development because mm-hmm. my brother-in-law actually moved 2 years before us and he moved into a development um there was a contractor like parceled out land and he was away on the back of it. And he had like this swamp across the street from him. And the developer said, there's no way we can ever build on that. You'll never have neighbors across the street. That's the last place we could ever build. Yeah. Their neighborhood is so jam packed full of freaking houses. They backfilled that thing and like built walkout basements. And yeah, it's just, I'm like, that's what we were trying to avoid is the expansion and I mean, we found it in this place. Like, man, it's... If it wasn't <laughs> Definitely in avoided the
0: expansion, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, like, it's perfect. Like, we have swamp all around the back of us. And then, um, yeah, there's no way anybody could ever build. We're in, a, like, a watershed from one of the mm. biggest lakes in Minnesota. And it's in a runoff to a river. So, it's, like, we are the last property on yeah. the buildable land. And, yeah, it's... If we could only move the property, um, I mean.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome when, so what, what kind of things did y'all end up doing on your homestead? I know in your podcast, you've, you've talked, had quite a few episodes about <laughs> monetizing different things that you've done on the homestead and with 35 acres, I mean, you can do almost anything <laughs> with that. What Talk about some of the things that you did to growing food and then even, you know, monetizing some of the stuff you did.
1: Yeah, man. We've only used like ten acres so far. Wow. Like, yeah, we have a whole uh, a lot of our land is uh, woods and um we have then we have one back hayfield uh that is accessible on the back side of the property, but we that was eventually gonna be um for like hogs or like pastured hogs Mm -hmm. because it it, it's got a wood strip that went along with it it's pretty nice setup i i think it would work out well but we never got there um but we did uh we put in a ton of gardens um we put in a bunch of perennials uh we grow comfrey uh asparagus uh garlic Uh, all sorts of stuff, (laughs) like uh, trying to go down the list, but yeah, put in a huge garden system. We ran layers anywhere from, you know, we started with 15 in year one. And I think at the peak, we had well over a hundred layers. Uh, we ran rabbits like 60, 70 rabbits, uh, at a time. We did meat birds out pasture raised meat birds, uh, chickens and turkeys. Uh, a little
0: bit of everything, kind of yeah. Quail.
1: <laughs> we did quail. I did a lot of like hatching um, sales. Like I did, I think probably my most lucrative business was um, hatching chickens, selling ha- chicken hatching eggs, baby chicks, uh, quail hatching eggs, and baby quail.
0: Gotcha. So in like with the chickens, a lot of people look for a certain breed or something. Um, How how did y'all do that? Did (laughs) y'all just uh, nut chickens?
1: (laughs) Well, we we started with a mixed flock. Um, we bought a, a rainbow pack from like Myers hatchery or someplace. It was just like a, there was a list of different types of chickens and they sent you like, you're going to get 15 chicken and it's going to be a mix of these. Like you're going to get two of some and three of some, but you know, it'll be out of this and they just randomly throw you whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we did that and we started evaluating which ones we liked and which ones we didn't. Um, we tried a little experiment with Delaware chickens as a meat bird, uh, didn't work out really well. Um, but, uh, got some experience doing like, um, pure, like one breed, um, purebred eggs and stuff like that. Cause we were going to hatch our own meat birds. Uh, but we evaluated which birds we liked, like visually and, um, temperament and how they did in the winter and all stuff like that and then we decided on a couple cool ones and then we just kind of ordered those uh this was over like two years and then we just decided we will we liked well and we liked uh um, that one yeah and then um uh, speckled sussex okay and then uh black copper morans uh there was a local lady that um sold uh N C I P or whatever whatever the chicken egg certification. I don't do certification, oh, gotcha. so yeah. like I don't know what it's called. Poultry people. Um uh, she was certified by them to have like pure eggs and or healthy eggs or whatever. So I hatched a bunch of those. So we had the three and we just kept them separate. And um, yeah, so we would take the eggs, uh, keep them separate and list them as hatching eggs and usually try to sell them before they were actually had or laid. Uh, but up to a week, they were fairly fertile. Like it would really dip off after seven days. So at seven days we would take the eggs. We didn't sell for hatching eggs at a very high premium, like 25 bucks a dozen. Um, and then sell them as eating eggs. And since we, since we fed our hens, um, transitional organic soy free corn free feed you got a (laughs) premium for the eggs um eating eggs and then yeah, we rarely got to eat eggs of our own. Like we have to steal them from our customers. We're like, oh yeah, uh, I dropped a dozen, and I can only get you four dozen, not five dozen. Sorry. Like I was yeah. hungry. Isn't it crazy
0: how you you talk about the hatching eggs versus the eating eggs? Just just a little name change in there, and uh-huh. you can people will pay double or triple what they would oh yeah <laughs>
1: like the black copper moran eggs are they were fantastic but they were like chocolate in the middle of summer they were like a chocolate egg they hmm. they get darker over the season and then get oh, lighter gotcha. off into winter and like in the peak of their their richness they were yeah it looked like a chocolate egg and
0: wow that's interesting yeah so people want
1: to people want to hatch them and people want to raise them so they're going to pay a shitload for like good eggs like if you yeah get it, for sure a picture of like because the different lines and the different uh quality birds would have darker eggs like there was a difference in the, di- the lines so if you found one that had really dark eggs you'd probably pay a premium for mm. both eggs
0: yeah wow that's interesting <laughs> so yeah why- was
1: a whole new world to me man i was like selling <laughs> trying to sling uh eating eggs for freaking like two years and i'm like this is stupid there's got to be a better way and i'm like yeah it's it really same came to me. Sell for hatching. <laughs> well, it came to me. I was like flipping through the um, poultry catalog, and I'm looking, and I had this really nice cabinet incubator because I was going to start incubating chicks or uh, mm-hmm. incubating uh, quail. And so I'm looking through the thing, and I'm like, "God, hatching eggs are expensive." And I'm like, "Light bulb! <laughs> I could sell them." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. What do you need? What do you need? And then like I started looking into the NPIP and all that crap and it's all voluntary Mm -hmm. um, technically uh and i was just like whatever i'll just tell people that i'm not certified like these birds were hatched here raised here never left here they don't have any diseases i practice biosecurity like take it for what you want i'm not gonna pay somebody to tell me i'm doing a good (laughs) job like i've went down that road like i played the game with our rabbits um we had to get our rabbits processed uh at a usda Inspected facility or a equal to facility to sell it, uh, to deliver it or sell it at a farmer's market. And so I paid all this freaking money to the processor to process my rabbits. And so I didn't eat any of that product. I all everything that I ate, I processed myself. Mm,
0: yeah, absolutely. And
1: so, like, I didn't eat the ones that I paid all this money to be able to sell. And so whatever, I'm selling them here and there, like not doing a whole lot of them. And some got put in the freezer and got a little too old to sell. And I was like, oh, I'll eat these, whatever. So I pop it open and there were freaking rabbit turds inside the package. And I'm like, oh no, I'm like, so I paid all this money to be (laughs) state certified so I could sell this thing. I will guarantee you. There were no rabbit turds in any package that right? I the ones that I <laughs> so. Like I uh, will guarantee you that. Wow. And I was much more sanitary than like I showed up to the place. I had I had a round of chickens down there and a round of rabbits down there. I showed up to the place. I was like, like my place is fucking cleaner than this. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to. Uh, I don't want <laughs> oh, <ruin> to. <laughs> i i don't have a filter like i've been in industry way too long and behind the bar way too long i was just uh, like if... oh yeah <laughs> so
0: um we'll talk about uh moving on from the homestand a bit but i'm curious what what was your favorite part you y'all did a ton of different animals there and some of that stuff what was your favorite animals to work with
1: oh man they're all so fun <laughs> um i'll probably do them all again um on a smaller scale like the direction we're headed, we want to just end up being, we just want to, we don't want to have to sell a bunch of shit to, to survive. Like we just want to provide for ourselves and have a, a low standard of not low standard of living, low cost of living. Um, I think my favorite man, turkeys, them.
0: turkeys. Yeah. I've never done tur- Well, when I was a kid, we had turkeys, but it's been a while since I've messed with them too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really liked them all. I really enjoyed Like I like taking care of our animals. That was my deal. Like the gardening, I could take her to leave it. We were actually transitioning more to all perennials and um, like cash crop perennials, like comfrey and um, uh, berry bushes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We were getting out of the market garden. Uh, just wasn't worth it for us. We didn't, we don't have the customer base here to do it part time. Like it's, if you're going to grow vegetables, sell you're gonna, like drive to sell them. Like I'm pretty rural. Like, my township has a couple hundred people, I think. And um the town itself that's like five miles away has mm. eight hundred people. So like
0: <laughs> yeah, you're, per- you're a, whole a lot of ways out.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> it made le- it made everything different difficult. Like I love this property and it was like the property, but it was it was a really hard property to market product from, either yeah. paying the extra so when I had to get stuff processed, I had to drive 90 miles to do it, Oof. and then so that's four trips because I got to drop shit off, drive home, and then pick it up and drive home,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I have to pay extra to do that, and then I have to deliver the product 60, 70, 80 miles in the other direction to customers in the cities. Um, yeah, that's so a lot it was of driving. Good. It was tough. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you did it cheaper on farm, but then you had to convince people to drive 60, 70, 80 miles to come to your farm, which is doable. We had plenty of that, just not, I mean, it wasn't enough to make it worth it really, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. So with all the time invested in, it sounds like you you really enjoy the the homesteading aspect, all the animals, the, the, the gardening and some of that, maybe not the marketing, the st- the product, but that's also part of that was because you're, you're so rural. Why, why quit after seven years invested?
1: It's cold, man. <laughs> it's it <cold>. is Minnesota, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I mean, that was the main driver. Um, like we want to, like I said, we want to go smaller when we eventually find someplace if we ever stop traveling, but um, we. Uh, Where was I going to go? We're going to go smaller with it, Um, but we want to do it for ourselves. And if we're going to be able to do that, we need to be able to do it for more than like four months. Like our summers here were just ridiculous because we were so busy trying to do a year's worth of stuff between like may, like our last average frost date is May 20th. So
0: you can't summertime.
1: (laughs) right that's what i'm saying so may 20th and then our first frost date is is like in october Mm. so you have to do all your shit between them like i had turkeys out in the field so you know thanksgiving you're raising pasture raised turkeys and people are paying like 100 120 for these turkeys you don't want to slaughter it in september right you want to slaughter it in like the week before they need it for Thanksgiving. So they never have to freeze it or maybe yeah. even that week. Like there were plans like the next year, that was another story. We had all our Turkey order canceled. Like they oh, just called yeah. us the day before and said, Oh, we're not sending you any turkeys <sighs> that I all had pre-sold in wow. like, oh, in, like July. I had wow. them all pre-sold in July for November. It was like locked money's done. I picked up the food brought the food home and the next day they called me and they said we're not sending you any turkeys it was custom made organic corn no corn no soy (laughs) turkey feed Uh, like high protein for pullets 800 pounds of this shit and i can't return it i can't return it that's brutal (laughs) and the, the hatchery's just like yeah we don't have we had a bad hatch i was like yeah i bet all your big customers are getting their turkeys i only ordered I only just, ordered. just take a
0: couple from each of each of those and they'll, they'll never miss them
1: yeah i only ordered 40 so i know i'm not your big customer so i'm sure i just don't i'm down on the list and yeah, so yeah i sure. kind of abandoned that hatchery but yeah they got stuck in the field in like the last week october we got like 14 inches of snow or something stupid in a mm. week it was like two big snowstorms back wow. to back and then it was like warm but my turkey tractors, I couldn't even move them. They were like impacted in the field. So here I got all these turkeys out there that I'm like trying to take care of and they're like stuck in this little pen and no grass <laughs> and it's all shit. I'm like, yeah. that was that was like the moment we started to really realize we weren't staying here. Um, and then it took like a whole year after that to convince cause that was like in October. And then the following August was when we were like, yeah. And then bought our trailer at the end of September.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's definitely the not so glamorous side of homesteading. If, if you follow any homesteaders on Instagram, they show you all the pretty pictures and the nice springtime and the, the fun things. They don't show you the freezing fingers and frozen oh. water and turkeys stuck out. Seems like 10 miles from home when it's that cold.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah. And then the winter and it's just dark and Little. cold. And oh. now for the last, um, so last four years i've been working as a service tech for uh, for working on gas pumps so i'm outside all summer all winter um like the other day i was working it was negative 23 and like 30 mile an hour winds and i was outside <laughs> working on a freaking wow. gas dispenser and i'm like this is just stupid yeah it's like, no I wonder there,
0: why you decided to move
1: <laughs> i sit there and i actually like sometimes i just go man, what life decisions really got me to this point in my life that I'm sitting out here in negative 20, I was just like, stop, and I can't even fathom why I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The good good thing is you can always go back and change. I mean, you can't go back and change, but you can change from here forward. And that's what you guys decided to do. So after you made the decision to leave Minnesota, what what kind of things opened up for y'all? What did that enable for y'all to do?
1: Oh, uh, start like just imagining what we wanted to do because um, we were starting again. Like we we were like we want to go so we we knew we wanted to go somewhere a little warmer. Um, we kind of looked at the map. I grew up in Western New York, and we were like kind of borderline five six. Um, that was okay. I really didn't want to deal with all the snow again, so I was thinking mm-hmm. more like six seven. And uh, so we started looking at the map, and we we're like, oh the mountains of Idaho. And I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. So we started wanting to do like alternative living, um, like a yurt. We started looking into a lot of yurts. We liked, um, we're kind of not conformists. Um, we kind of do walk to the beat of our own drum. I mean, my wife shaves her head (laughs) just like different. Um, but, we started reading a lot of different stuff and spirit, spirituality stuff and nature stuff and um, nothing square in nature like nothing square right. in yeah nothing um so we started looking at yurts um uh, round yeah. building uh kind of change up pace and uh, maybe uh change vibes and whatever. I don't know. Calm down a little bit because I'm all strung out all the time, like thinking about all sorts of different shit. And, and like, maybe if I could go sit in the woods at a round house, I'd be all right. <laughs> but uh, so that was our plan, man. We we're going to take off. We we're going to live outside the system. We we're going to, you know, that's how, where the name came from. Yeah. Uh, the last so pro- gonna, idea, yeah,
0: yeah. That makes sense.
1: <laughs> we're going to go buy some raw land in Idaho and put a uh, yurt on it and start again and use all the skills and knowledge we learned here to just do it again in a different place. And we're like, oh yeah, great idea. Like told our families, yep. We're out started looking at properties and all this and we're like, yeah, what are we going to do when we buy this property? We don't it's not like we get there and this yurt's going to be there and it's going to be like we can't do like just go there and go oh <laughs> so what are we gonna do we're gonna have to like get an rv and be able to stay there and i'm like yeah and i kind of want to build the yurt myself because that's kind of my deal like doing shit myself and um, i was like so that's going to take some time and we're not going to have like power like the properties we're looking at like if we could find one without power it was less money and like i want to be off grid eventually anyway like so that was not a big deal to me. And I was like, well, so now I'm going to have to have this trailer. It's going to have to have solar. It's going to have to be, we're going to have to be able to live in it off grid. And so we started watching YouTube videos and learning about off grid trailers. And I was like, why are we moving to Idaho? (laughs) Like ask Corey one day, she might ask me, I don't know. We're kind of thinking the same thing all at once. Cause we do that. Like we'll be, uh, we'll be thinking about, we'll, we'll be planning a project or something. And I'll be like, yeah, why, why are we going to Idaho? She'd be like, I was been thinking about that, but I didn't want to ask you that because you, you keep seem kind of excited about it. I was like, Yeah, I know you seem seemed excited about it too. But, yeah. like, if we're going to build this trailer to live off grid, why don't we just go find someplace to live? Or let's She's, she's traveled a little bit kind of in the upper Midwest and uh, went to Florida once. And like, I've traveled up and down the East coast. I, when I grew up in New York. So I went to Florida and drove up and down. So I've traveled that and a couple different places out west, but um, we haven't really seen this country, just spots here and there. And we're like, why don't we just drive around, figure out how to make some money online or whatever, get remote jobs. This was before COVID. So we're, that was like a long shot, remote jobs and uh you know just find some place look at properties maybe buy one here and there maybe five acres here five acres there and just figure it out and because uh, we don't want to do the big parcel anymore like we want to find the right smaller parcel in the right position to have the smaller because if we're going to go smaller we're not going to need the land because we didn't even need it here for yeah. what we did yeah. Um, yeah so maybe pick up five acres here or 10 acres there or whatever And then we'll find a spot. We'll figure it out. And so that kind of changed directions. So that's where we're going now. So, yeah. And so we started looking for trailers and, yeah, away we went.
0: (laughs) So in the trailer, do you have it now or you're still looking? Okay. Yeah. And you're building that to be completely off grid.
1: It already is. Is is the
0: plan just to to travel until you find a part of the country you like and and plop down yeah so yeah. what will you what will you do for if you're quitting your job while you travel what do you what will you do for money during that time
1: well i mean uh, it, it
0: takes some of that to live oh yeah
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah we're still working on that um but uh my wife's been working remote for six years six years i think seven years six years part remote for at least six years, uh, fully remote uh, since before COVID, uh, since we moved up here. She she does scheduling for, so her stuff is totally remote, doable. And I have enough computer backgrounds I'm kind of working on trying to find a a remote remote gig, um, Mm -hmm. work from home type uh, tech support or customer service or something like that. Uh, But we got, you know, the entrepreneurial mind never stops. So I got all sorts of stuff in the hopper for, um, online stuff. You know, we have website and all that jazz and the little, little tiny income streams off of that. I, uh, I dabble in cryptocurrency. So that, that's kind of fun and can be, um, different kind of options there. (laughs) Um, and we decided, so the trailer is done. We, we actually took one trip in it. We took a trip out. Yeah. We took a trip. So our original goal was to start traveling by going to Squatch Fest to meet Brian Norton. I think he was on your show. Yeah, um, he was on what? the
0: show three weeks ago, maybe.
1: Yeah. So we, um, I was a customer of his uh, buying coffee and uh, yeah, then he came up with this crazy Squatch Fest thing. And I was like, I was looking at the date and I was like, okay, so if we get out of Minnesota at that time to go travel there, like it'll be before winter and all this stuff. So. We kind of set a target to have everything done and travel out there and kind of launch from there. And we didn't get the house sold and everything just it didn't work out. It, we it wasn't soon enough. And uh or no, the festival was too soon. So we made the trip right. and uh tested everything out though. Everything out worked great. Um yeah, so that was a, a great That's experience. That's
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah, so um yeah, looking for online work. Um, but when I was out with brian uh so we did a little with hip camp here in our backfield we have an empty field uh brian does a lot with hip camp on his property that he had Squatch fest um it was a really small event in the fall the weather was horrible and everything but i mean i had a fantastic time it was exactly what i needed um the trip and everything was just fantastic and uh but i talked to him about how he was running his hip camp and how he developed the property and it all started kind of spin it in my head and uh as we were traveling uh we were staying at blm land and uh, free sites like that um the thing i kept hearing was in the summer because this nomadic lifestyle has gotten so popular that the free places are disappearing not disappearing right. but just full um, yeah. we were traveling like on the very tail end we had snow one night when we were when we were wow. coming back. <laughs> so we were like borderline whether we should like there was a hard freeze two days after we got back to minnesota so it was like we got back here i had to strip all the batteries everything out of the trailer winterize it drain all the water like when we got back Mm -hmm. um, so yeah so i was talking to him about his property and how he manages all that and the, the work he's done and i was like i could do this for people i could do this for people um i have experience with it like since then has been like a huge deep dive into like the mechanics of doing the listings and the marketing of the sites and stuff like that like the development of the sites is second nature to me after working on the homestead and actually doing that right um so yeah right now we're kind of signing people up to um for properties like if they have a uh a secondary property that they don't use rural land. If they have a, like a back part of their property that they don't use, like we had in the back of our property. Um, yeah. Or wherever that you think you could have a, a hip camp. If I don't know if everybody knows what that is or not. But, I, I but,
0: think most people do. If, if they don't, they probably <laughs> haven't found the podcast yet. <laughs> most people so, have heard of it or yeah. So yeah.
1: So yeah. So
0: would you but, be managing these for, for people or, or what,
1: whatever level the aspect they want. that
0: you're tying into that.
1: whatever, whatever, however much the interaction they want, like I okay. will offer, um, uh, just a, Hey, this is what I would do from looking at it. Just a observational perspective. Right. A little um,
0: consultation.
1: Yeah. Setting the site up, like actually doing the work, going there and staying there and doing the work, um, and getting it set up, uh, all the way to setting up the listing and managing the listing for them, taking the calls from the customers, if there's complaints interacting with the guests, um, finding someone, if there's an issue, finding someone local to take care of that. Um, Brian on his property had a camp host, uh, somebody that lived there that kind of did a little permaculture thing. If that's Mm -hmm. something that somebody wants, I could coordinate that because I'm tying into a a group of um, nomads also and so I have I have my whole homesteading world and and that type of thing. But now I'm in this community of nomads and full time RVers and schoolies and and mm-hmm. this whole community of people <laughs> um, that Attitude are two together somehow. that are looking to go and maybe be able to stay at some place. But they'll clear six campsites, you know, so then managing that um gotcha. that work or like a camp post for a c uh you know you could stay here for free um just watch the place you know mm, it depends cool. on what the landowner wants if if they want that security if they don't really give a shit they just want somebody to swing through every three months and then i find some kid in town and pay him you know to go out and do that and I, we just split the listing like long term like they just get a check if that's if they want me to run it like I'd handle all the payments and just send them a check at the end of the month for their cut.
0: There you go. Yeah. And then, so it's kind of like a work trade on some of that and just connecting people here and there.
1: Yep. And then eventually what the whole, the whole sky high picture in the, in the beginning was a private network of landowners and campers that are verified. Like you're not going to, you're not going to screw up my land and I'm, like-minded like we're freedom oriented people do what you want on my property just don't don't fuck my shit up and yeah we'll be good um and then a group of campers that are vouched for and that are zero impact or low impact campers that are like because s- i'm self-contained like i have a composting toilet i don't have any black water um i have solar i don't need any electrical hookups like we went out to brian's and back so it was a 13 day trip and we ran our generator for 20 minutes, and wow. the whole time we were at Squatch Fest from the Thursday we pulled in till the the Monday morning we pulled out. It rained, like it rained a lot. So my solar <laughs> wasn't doing jack shit. I got 200 and I think 230 amp hours of lithium batteries, so I can draw that way down, and then yeah. I got like uh, 1350 watts of solar. To, for recharging it and we don't use any power like we don't have it <laughs> we don't own a TV the first thing we took out of our trailer was the microwave because mm-hmm. we haven't owned a microwave for like nine years like I haven't owned a TV for well over two years like I have a laptop she's got a tablet and we got two cell phones what yeah, power and if, if
0: you that? run most of the appliances off propane then I mean that that takes away a yep. lot of what typically draws those down
1: yep so I mean, I'm, I'm pretty low impact when I go with something. like I might actually improve your land because I might take my human and, you know, <laughs> fertilize your trees or something. Yep. So yeah. Finding a network of people like that, that are trusted and that, um, you know, and then also be able to provide that land for maybe, um, workshops. If somebody needs, wants to hold an event, they can rent that land and provide, like you can provide event coordinators and, and whatnot. And then, and then the other side of that business is uh, I'm looking for homesteaders that want a consultation or need some help on the farm. Like I'm, i'm not above being a hired hand or just yeah. a help for the weekend or you need eyes on a project that you can't figure out you just want help i mean i've kind of designed a whole bunch of crap here <laughs> um, and the i've done more research than i've used like right I've done yeah. more that i haven't used than what i have used so i got a lot going on um that I could help you out with. Um, or maybe you just want to uh, want to swing in, stay and say hi and just there you you go. Know, throw us a meal or something and be on the podcast <laughs> or, you know, whatever, like whatever well, if you're sw- is, if you
0: swing through Kentucky on your tour, you know, you got a <laughs> place here. You can, you can pull in.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, yeah, I just, I, and that network is, so it's really scary. We decided to do this right before the whole shit broke loose and, um, So by the time it got stupid and there were shortages and lockdowns and all that crap, we were already in, like we had the trailer, like I had solar panels ordered, like there was no like, Oh yeah, we're not going to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: um, it's scary. It's scary thinking like, uh, I provided, like I didn't go to the grocery store for, four years wow. <laughs> I, I, like stupid like i had a hydroponics garden in my kitchen and yeah. all the protein i could ever want out the door and in the freezers and um yeah now i don't have anything and the network of people and the fact that i know i have Uh, marketable skills uh, hard skills mechanic skills carpentry skills electrical skills like all this stuff that i've developed here plus the consultation and the knowledge of all the stuff that isn't physically doing and the community that i'm tied into that i can market that to can help me get by like i'm not looking to thrive like if shit falls apart i'm looking to get by and I like our community. So, so great for that. So yeah, I can provide value and I know other people can provide resources.
0: Yeah. And I can, I can see how homesteaders and and even people who have the, the back lot that they're not using and don't know how to use. And there's a, a lot of value there that, that it sounds like you can and, and are going to provide. I, I can imagine when people hear about it, they're going to be all over it. <laughs> do, do you have a, a date for when you kick off?
1: oh man, as soon as possible, like,
0: (laughs) as soon as the, as soon as the (sighs) snow melts enough for you to get out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like it's all, I got a steady job right now that like, I hate looking for jobs. Like, as much as I got bored and quit or got fired, like I hate looking for jobs. It's the worst thing in the world for me because like I was on the hiring team at that startup. So I know all the uh. HR canned questions and all the bullshit. And it just it drives <laughs> me up the wall. Like I could get hired at your job. I just don't want to go through the process to do it. Yeah. Um, so I've been lazy and uh, well, not lazy. I mean. I put out six podcasts a week. So I guess I'm not lazy. Like I haven't fit in that shit that I hate looking for a job. Uh, I have started reaching out to contacts, uh, former industry contacts and stuff like that. And trying to, it's a really specialty niche. I'm kind of, I would be happy. I would be happy being like a, um, a a technical support uh, for like a product. Uh, Like the guys I call when I can't figure out what I'm doing and they have a computer and it's not hard. Like, Right, I can learn it. It it is hard, but it comes natural to me. Uh, and so that those positions are usually hired within. Like technicians usually get hired to do that stuff because they have the experience to do it. Like I feel that I could learn it quick enough to be a value to them. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like it's not normally the entrance ramp that you're gonna get to that yeah. job. So I'm reaching <laughs> out to some contacts, seeing what I can do. Maybe find something. If I gotta take some bullshit job for whatever until something kicks off i i mean i'm not above that i've done that oh yeah so
0: you do what it takes to uh to to get by sometimes until you find the right fit
1: yeah so we'd really like to see like i said last frost dates may 20th um i would love to hit float fest i mean that would be Fantastic. I've, I've
0: heard about that. What's the date on that one?
1: Uh, end of April. It's right after Nicole's. Uh, Actually, like, I
0: think I just saw she mentioned it's the same weekend.
1: Yeah. Like, uh. yeah. So um, I would <laughs> I love to, tar- yeah, I would love to target that. Uh, I did out the math. And if I do like a couple bonus episodes of my podcast, I could literally do episode 100 live from float fest. <laughs>
0: oh, uh, that'd be cool. On float. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, so, I'm actually considering it. I'm still trying to warm the wife up to it. Um, if we can't pull the trailer down there, I would love to go down and help Brian run his coffee shop and kind of promote my, what I got going on. Um, if I can make a reasonable case to my wife and figure out how to pay for it, I'm sure (laughs) I would be able to go. Um, Uh, but yeah, if we get a warm snap, like we get this weird weather where we'll get spring. We'll, we have like Uh I think Corey just did a video on our YouTube channel of our fence. So we got a four foot uh woven wire fence. I put in an acre's worth of fence um by hand. Yeah, it was what a project that was. It (laughs) sucked. Never do it again by hand, but Uh, um
0: I can imagine.
1: But but, uh yeah, so she took a video, it's a 48-inch 48-inch fence and the snow drifts are over top of it. Like so yeah, so we got 48 inches of snow in some places, so but the driveway is cleared out and the trailers in the driveway so if we get a warm snap <laughs>
0: there you um,
1: go and i can put all the batteries and stuff in the in the thing with like a decent forecast and we have both found remote jobs yeah we're pulling that shit out um especially if we both have remote jobs cuz then we can still service the mortgage and we don't have to try right. something in winter Um, but yeah i don't know we're just we've kind of changed this uh, made this turn of just kind of going with it in our lives um since we moved up here kind of Shit happens so just
0: Just go with it
1: (laughs) yeah ride the wave man just figure it out since since we're not gonna we don't really know where we're going anyway we really don't know when we're gonna start it's just
0: yeah it'll happen (laughs) when it
1: happens right
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: i mean if i could book a bunch of consultations between here and float i'm sure i'd be able to figure out how to get that trailer out
0: there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: what What did it feel like to you guys when you made that decision to, to get out of the cold?
1: Scary as shit, but very freeing. Like, like it was, it was a relief that so, oh man, it was a really big relief that I wasn't going to have to deal with it ever again, but then we ended up having to come back and I'm dealing with it right now. So it's getting closer. Like we've really hit this week is probably one of our last like really cold weeks like today mm-hmm. this morning it was like negative five when i went to work and got up to like negative positive nine or something like that and that's kind of like the rest of this week but then we get up into like daytime highs in the 20s and 30s so it's it a little easier to deal with it doesn't sound warm but it's 60 degrees warmer than what it was like three weeks ago so <laughs> like I'll be in a hoodie and jeans um, and like out. 25 uh, degrees. Like, yeah, it, it's like summer. Oh <laughs> it's, man, it's no, like it was uh, it people... was
0: in the low 30s here today, and I was about to throw in the towel and call it quits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh...
1: but it, so we're getting to the home stretch of winter. Like, I won't be here next year. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, what I got to do, I will not go through another Minnesota winter. It won't happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if I got to drag the trailer and walk away from the house, like I'm not going to obviously do like, I could sell this house, but oh yeah. um, Yeah. Whatever I got to do to get out of <laughs> here. Cause this is, this is stupid. Like, like I said, I sit, sit at work sometimes and I just sit outside. Like I could go sit in my van. I just like sit on the curb outside and the winds hit me in the face. I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> like my face is all ice. And
0: <laughs> yeah. Not fun at all. No, no. What going back to the lots project a little bit long term like big picture what is what is a feature of it look like uh, as far as do you see it becoming like a Airbnb Verbo type of thing down the road is what's your overarching goal there
1: Oh man like high pie in the sky like if everything fell into place
0: Oh absolutely that's 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 what you shoot for with your goals
1: <laughs> So Uh, I would build a network of contacts. with the land, um, either through the consultation or the management of those properties, build that relationship with them and the trust with them, and at the same time, interact with the nomad community and get to know people and figure out some sort of vouching system to where you've camped with somebody enough that you know they're good and they know the ethics of what we're looking for in other people so they can go and recruit or certify other people and then, you know, I'm building, I want, I'm going to build it on hip camp, like my business using right. hip camp, but eventually I'm hoping to have enough properties where I can just be like, Hey, people that we all know, we're all good from landowners to let's do this on our own in private outside the system, maybe use crypto or, um, you know, as a private membership and, uh, have some benefits in it for the landowners, um, like we talked about, I was on, Unloose the goose and kind of talked about the, the pie in the sky right. uh, idea of this and, you know, like benefits for landowners where they have reciprocity for a bug out location or, um, you know, uh, different benefits for different members that do that throw or do workshops or, uh, throw festivals or whatever, um, that you can hire them to do a, uh, whatever, uh, yeah. just, uh, open agora between the nomadics and the landowners and the property that is currently just sitting fallow or unused or, you know.
0: Yeah. that That's definitely something that's needed because it seems like there's a community of people that have the land and often don't know what to do with half of it. And they talk amongst themselves and their own thing, trying to figure out what to do with it. And then you've got the community of nomads who are trying to figure out where to go. So that, that's awesome. If you, if you reach that high pie in the sky thing.
1: <laughs> or I might just travel around for a couple of years and help some people uh, set some stuff up and then go find my own property and, and stop. But Corey oh, yeah. and I have committed to traveling for at least a year. Um, okay. I know it's going to be more than that. Like on our trip, Uh, out and back it was it was fantastic and we weren't even able to experience fully because we were only staying the only more than one night at the same place was at Squatch Fest so um, as we're doing uh, as we're taking off even if we're not doing the consulting if we're just doing um, you know part-time work or whatever uh, we would stay someplace for a couple weeks or you know at least four or five days some places have limits like if we were on blm land or whatever there's like two week limits or 10 day limits um but more than one night but even traveling and moving every day um it was fantastic like I, I i enjoyed it so much i wrote on the whiteboard that's in my uh bedroom in there and it was just like remember what this feels like and i took a bunch of pictures of it and then i it's on my computer as my background screen and it's just yeah cuz it was great like I enjoyed it so much so I can't see not liking it enough to do it for more than a year I, mm-hmm. I you know so we'll see <laughs> I don't know we're open to whatever but we have committed for at least a year from the time oh, we that's take That's awesome
0: it. that's cool so super excited to see, uh, what, what comes out of that as far as the stories on the podcast and, and all of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, it's going to make for great content, man. It's, oh, it's going to be like stupid, easy content. Like, what am I going to talk about today? Well, what did I do yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. What, what kind of, uh, pickle did I get that landowner out of and, and how did I help him design all of that? And yeah, it's yeah, have and unlimited ideas.
1: Yeah. Uh, eventually I want to get take a permaculture course and um you know i might uh, actually had some crazy ideas and brainstorming with brian today about uh, how to do that and possibly finding a landowner that wants a project improvement and a, and a permaculture instructor that wants to do a pdc and kind of
0: bring them together yeah well okay. hey i mean <laughs> i've got 20 acres here and i'm planning on having nick ferguson come out next spring <laughs> uh, i'm just saying
1: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, yeah the possibilities are endless so yeah. yeah i mean i don't i don't i've i've studied enough i understand the concepts and, and i I haven't taken the classes uh um, yeah it's all been self-taught so i i can't market myself as a permaculturist but um, right? i kind of know what i'm doing you're as a designer as that
0: concerned. uses permaculture
1: principles yeah <laughs> and has has uh, almost a decade of a homestead experience i guess oh yeah
0: and, th- and that speaks to, that speaks to a lot because anybody can go get a, uh, do a cheap PDC and still not know half the stuff that, that you would know with all the experience on the phone. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie Brown and I talked kind of talked about that. I think it actually might in like our after show, but, uh, okay. yeah, like, uh, you can, I can read all the books and, and I mean, there's PDCs online that you can just find and, and read, um, right like what. I don't have the hands-on like I'm pretty sure I, <laughs> I just had <laughs> 10 years of it
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly not so I'm that gonna I have a bunch of your links that you that you sent me I'll drop those in the show notes tell us about your favorite recent podcast that you did that we can send the guys to listen to
1: Ooh, oh favorite one,, oh, well, the one you had I the don't... most
0: fun recording <laughs>
1: You're talking like day of, like of uh, your own like,
0: podcast of yes. the daily
1: my daily or my interview because I, I think uh amy's interview is, is pretty good okay yeah uh, all right
0: yeah. i'll definitely drop that one in the show notes too and send folks there to listen to that anything else you wanna leave with us or a piece of advice or wisdom or something that you want to give the good folks of constructive <laughs> liberty before we go
1: <laughs> oh man just i mean follow, follow what feels right. Um, figure like really step back and, uh, and, and evaluate things and, and go with what feels right. Um, I've really started to follow nature and watch nature a lot in the last seven years, eight years up here. Um, even before that with hunting, I, I'd noticed it a little bit, but really working with the land. And, um, I've noticed that everything in nature knows what to do. Like they, the geese know when to fly south, the geese know when to fly north, the, you know, the chickens know how to hatch baby chicks. And um, so nature knows it it, it, it just knows what's right. So if you can detach yourself from all the programming out there and the TV and the, the sugar addictions and everything, and you can just listen to your body and listen to your mind, it knows what's right like nature tells you what's right so it might be a little hippy dippy and shit like that and that's really not me but um yeah i yeah just listen to your body and listen to your mind and but make sure it's the truth
0: yeah and amy said nature knows and humans complicate so true we tend to overthink things and and don't listen to the things that we should listen to yeah Brian, I've really enjoyed the chat. I uh, hope, hope you'll come back on the podcast at some point.
1: Anytime. Um, anytime. Yeah.
0: And I'm going to be on Brian's show here coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if we're doing that one live or if, or yep. if uh, are we doing that one live? Okay. Awesome. I think that's yep. 5th.
1: Yep. I'm, March 5th. I remember
0: it. There we go.
1: So. March 5th, 11 a.m.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, guys, go check out that interview that Brian did with Amy. I'll drop that link in the show notes and check out all the other cool stuff he's doing. And if you've got a piece of property that you don't know what to do with, you know who to contact now.
1: Yep. TheLotsProject.com. It's uh, pretty easy. And then uh, all the stuff you can find anything there and all my links. So
0: We'll have the links in the show notes. Brian, I enjoyed chatting with you.
1: All right, man. Have a good night. Yep. You
0: too.